Hello and welcome to OECD On The Level. I'm Bill Bilo. A 100 million Australian dollar kangaroo bond that's helping the World Bank leap forward in blockchain technology? It's just one of the real-world applications we'll be talking about in the second episode of our two-part series devoted to blockchain. We continue our conversation with Greg Medcraft, head of the OECD Directorate for Financial and Enterprise Affairs. And we'll be talking about the OECD's role at the intersection of industry, government policy, and blockchain innovation. Let's go straight to the first question of the Blockchain Revolution Part 2. What is blockchain's potential global economic impact? Bill, I see blockchain and its related technologies as potentially having a transformative impact on the global economy. And while I'd like to add also that, you know, developing countries, the prospect of leapfrogging on this technology is, is also incredibly interesting. So we now still have 2 billion people with no access to banking services. Cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have showed us blockchain can bring financial services without the need for banking infrastructure. So Bitcoin has its issues, but it actually has opened up access to finance where banks don't exist. It was a kind of proof of concept. Yes, with some issues. Uh, and the trust brought about by uh, blockchain protocols could be particularly powerful in areas where poor governance corruption have stymied economic growth. So it has enormous potential in developing countries. But transformation also means disruption. To name three examples, bypassing intermediaries means less demand for jobs those intermediaries provide. Secondly, many companies derive their value from user data. Now, that may not be good for some people, but that's how they derive their value. And that could be disassociated in a more decentralised economy where data isn't necessarily shared uh, by everyone, which, again, could be attractive to some, but not attractive to businesses. And thirdly, rapid technological advances in regulated industries like financial services does require consumer education and protection. So they're the three things, you know, disruption we need to think about. What kind of organizations are interested in blockchain technology? Well, basically, we've had three major sectors that have been drivers to blockchain. First is financial services, second is supply chain, and the third is government services. So talk about first finance. Um, you know, financial service providers are looking at how distributed ledger can make payments and settlements faster and more efficient, for example. But it's being looked at across a whole range of areas in financial services, uh, in lending, uh, in investment, etc. Uh, after finance, as I said, supply chain, because blockchain's trust, transparency and traceability means that goods can be tracked uh, and verified across the whole value chain, you know, providing data on things like quality, timeliness, responsibility for a product, but also employee welfare and environmental conditions. Um, what that means is it has many attractiveness, whether you're a consumer or a supplier, okay? Uh, but also what it's meant is that you then contemplate on top of that additional services. So, for example, uh, like insurance or like credits to supplier further down the chain. What it means, for example, is if you're a large company and you've got farmers that are delivering a product to you uh, in a remote country, if it's verified when they deliver it to the uh, the storage facility that is secure, you can potentially look to pay them 
up the line, mm-hmm. which means also a bank may be more likely to lend when they know that basically once they deliver, they will get paid by the, the party. Right. So potentially you open up other avenues like um, uh, financing, but also insurance against the crop, etc. So the, the potential is, is amazing. And then government services where you need often secure storage of data, which can be which is generally public but can be private, uh, they can benefit enormously. We've talked about things like land registries, equally vehicle registration tokenized. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and then if you if you tokenize the land registry, you tokenize your vehicle registry. Equally, collecting vehicle registration fees or collecting taxes becomes very easy because sure. then. Basically, you build everyone who's on your register. You don't even, it's all, all done digitally and on, online and paid online. In fact, you could even have, if you think about it, a smart contract that on whatever date money's due, immediately a smart contract goes to whoever's registered on the distributed ledger. So efficiencies in the delivery of government services uh, is, is amazing. But, you know, that's, there's a host of situations where you need um, in government uh, to really have trusted data or even value. So, you know, it, blockchain is being looked at in areas of health, health records, for example. Agriculture, it's being used for looking at provenance of products, example. Uh, it's being used in energy uh, in terms of... It's being used in energy is one option, and energy is carbon trading using distributed sure. ledger, retail. People actually selling, uh, for example, the solar power generated from their roofs into the grid and using it uh, to actually, you know, to actually sell that power, sure. uh, the carb- you know, carbon. But also uh, it's being used in California because of the distributed nature of distributed ledger. It's being used more about security, that it can't, it's much harder to hack the network. USAID is looking at distributed ledger at the moment for uh, distributing aid to countries because they can actually sort of see if money disappears on the way. They can see the flow of the payment. So it's very attractive for dist- for uh, delivering aid to foreign countries to the ultimate recipient and making sure that... Because often a lot of aid money is lost on the way sure, through. Yeah. Um, so again, though, often this thing is how you can connect it with the internet of things like using algorithms to using algorithms to actually perhaps use big data to verify etc so in many industries you know it's being used so in a lot of industries i i hear you saying that there's kind of at a an experimental phase but there are also applications that are already creating value that's correct uh, it's a new technology Again, early days, we're seeing a lot of experimentation in all the areas I've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, at OECD, we have a task force. There's actually work in our working party for responsible business conduct. That's actually looking at how blockchain can bring better business practices in the garment and footwear supply chain, which is very and making quite interesting progress. Um, the finance sector also has a head start. Uh, there's been some solid applications beginning to take shape. For example, the Australian Stock Exchange uh, has been developing a distributed ledger-based payment and settlement system uh, that's going to replace its current system. It's building it at the present time, and it's due to launch around 2020. And that's a very big... Uh, that will probably be one of the first, um, if you want large-scale distributed ledgers because I think it will have to account for something like 2 million accounts uh, or maybe more, but it, it's a very large one. Uh, the World Bank 
uh, has announced last week that it's going to issue blockchain-based bonds uh, to cut time and cost of raising debt. So it's going to do a what's called a, a kangaroo bond uh, in a few weeks, uh, which is an Australian dollar bond um, that's going to be issued, uh, led by the Commonwealth Bank and actually done by the World Bank and actually using distributed ledger. Um, and there is a lot of activity in rapid development in the space. And what that means is that you, you've got to keep in mind interoperability so the different blockchain systems can uh, connect and communicate. So it, it, we're seeing a lot of development, but people are already talking about making sure that systems can actually inter right. are interoperable. For the and moment, it'll probably be a bit of the Wild West and yeah, then things will settle gonna down. It's going to be probably a bit like Beta versus VHS. Yeah. yeah. Right. If anyone can remember that. Well, I read about that. <laughs> uh, cybersecurity is constantly in the news these days. Can blockchain reduce cyber risk? Look, blockchain certainly has some features that could address specific cyber risks. In particular, cryptology, uh, very powerful, means data um, can be sent securely over networks. But the big benefit for cybersecurity is the distributed ledger aspect of uh, blockchain and the requirement for nodes to agree on information on the blockchain, which means that if information is stored in many places, the same information, if you try to uh, improperly erase or alter it, you just can't do it. You just simply can't do it. So um, it is actually why it's being considered in electricity grids, because basically, unless you've actually got the proper cryptographic key, uh, you just simply can't change what's happening on the system, okay? Uh, so it does. It is quite mm -hmm. is being seen as quite interesting for cyber security and also, as I said, for privacy. So again, while blockchain can be more secure because of its distributed nature, uh, it's more reliable than other databases. There are still risks, as I said, cryptographic keys, the blockchain yeah. equivalent of a username and a password. Um, they're too uh, complex to remember, so you need to store them and access them safely. And as I said, most of the hacks that we've seen in cryptocurrencies, for example, are hacks on keys, not the network itself. So the right. network, you know, it's, it's like a safe network, but it depends on, you know, where you keep the keys into the network. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's a bit like, hack, you know, it's a bit like stealing money from a bank. So, yeah, right. Um, um, there's always a sort of tension between new technologies, especially those likely to become pervasive, and the need for regulation. For example, uh, autonomous vehicles. We're seeing that kind of playing out right now. Innovators and investors want freedom to develop their concepts, while the business community wants stable, risk-free platforms to which they can migrate business processes or even invent new ones. Where does regulation stand today as distributed ledger technology is starting to be rolled out? Well, you know, let, when you think about it, the first sector that I mentioned before is, is the financial services sector. So they were the early mover on blockchain. And that's where most of today's regulatory focus is on. But it's early days. Uh, many financial regulators are still getting to grips with new types of blockchain-based financial assets like cryptocurrencies and different types of asset tokens and the issues attached to them. So we've had discussions about initial coin offerings, etc. I think it's fair to say that regulation across OECD countries is at present fragmented and incomplete. And that always is a problem uh, because it creates an opportunity for regulatory arbitrage. So, and when it comes to wider applications uh, for blockchain, governments really should look to develop the right policies to harness the potential benefits 
uh, of the technology while mitigating its risk and potential for misuse. Um, and I think if you're a government, what you've got to think about is three things. One, you've got to be proactive and forward-looking and avoid regulatory knee-jerk reactions. Resist the temptation to jump in before you properly understand developments or unintended consequences. I think you've got to keep up to date with the rapid changes by the new distributed ledger technologies and you need to build the capacity to understand and deal with those innovations. And thirdly, and I think this is really important, is you've got to ensure a coordinated approach by working with stakeholders like industry, with civil society, but also working internationally with other governments because this technology generally applies across borders. So that, that's quite critical. OECD work on due diligence on mineral supply chains and textiles dovetails with certain blockchain applications. We touched on this a bit. Can you tell me something about those applications? What is the challenge of supply chains and how is blockchain technology helping? Bill, this is a great example of how blockchain can help implement OECD uh, standards and meet our members' policy priorities. The OECD guidelines for multinational enterprises uh, is a policy tool for governments to help drive responsible business conduct and global business. And one of the most important ways this is operationalized is through uh, due diligence uh, in global supply chains. So for example, YougoBoss is trialing a blockchain solution to meet the guidelines for multinational enterprises, which allows the company to ensure that its cotton is from a sustainable source and is picked by workers who are paid fair wages. Greg, let me ask you, why is an organization that is devoted to public policy interested in blockchain technology? One of the things the OEC does very well, Bill, is convening people and organizations from around the world to deal with particular issues. And as you know, as we know, international cooperation is a really important part of getting the policy environment right we actually need to work together to make sure regulation doesn't cause market fragmentation and to promote interoperability. Markets are global. Blockchain applications will be used across borders. And this is certainly the case for financial products and supply chains, but also perhaps some government services. So I think it's really important we work together. We need to avoid regulatory arbitrage. In some industries, like finance, market fragmentation uh, can lead to inefficient incentives and a race to the bottom, and there nobody wins. So, you know, very important we have international cooperation to avoid regulatory arbitrage. It's really important that actually, again, international cooperation, we do share that best practice. And we think that with, you know, we can actually leverage that with OECD members and our partners. You know, one of the things about blockchain is that it will bring economic disruption as well. And government policies will have a big role to play in managing technology-based disruption. The OECD's Going Digital project, which we are part of, um, has been an international leader in developing strategies to deal with digitalization. And there is a strong body of work already for the governments uh, to draw on managing this change. Greg, what other events and publications concerning blockchain are in the pipeline at the OECD? Well, we'll be capturing the discussions of the forum into a publication for release later this year, which will provide a stock taking of blockchain's impact on policy and help inform the OECD's work uh, going forward. But actually, we already have over a dozen projects lined up for our policy committees, 
which will produce reports and analysis. For example, our Public Governance Committee is a working paper on blockchains used in the public sector. Uh, we have an upcoming paper on blockchain's potential for driving transparency and standardization in infrastructure financing. Um, uh, we actually have in supply chain uh, analysis of the, the need for standardization and inter interoperability, uh, which I've talked about before. Uh, the main message is that blockchain is still in its infancy, but it is maturing very quickly. We'll be doing much more in the coming months and years, so watch the space. Okay. Thank you very much, Greg. You've been listening to Greg Medcraft, head of the OECD Directorate for Financial and Enterprise Affairs, in the second of our two-part series dedicated to blockchain. In case you missed it, the OECD Blockchain Forum, held the 4th and 5th of September, brought together over 1,000 policymakers, blockchain experts, and industry leaders at our conference center in Paris. The title of the forum was Distributed Ledgers, Opportunities, and Challenges. You can stream videos of the sessions by going to oecd.org DAF. That's oecd.org DAF. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag OECD Blockchain. And don't forget to check out all of our OECD On The Level podcasts on the iTunes Store, SoundCloud, and on the OECD On The Level blog page. This is OECD On The Level. Thanks for listening.